Since the beginning of the church, persecution has been part of the Christian experience. In fact, the Bible tells us that all who seek to live a godly life will be persecuted. Today, an estimated 360 million Christians are living under severe religious restriction. On this podcast, we share their stories. And we answer the question, how can American Christians live as Christ in an increasingly hostile culture? The way of the persecuted is the harder way. And this is the Harder Way Podcast. Hi, everybody. I'm Scott. And I'm Maddie. And welcome to the Harder Way Podcast. In today's episode, we want to talk a little bit about the three wrong ways to respond to religious restriction, to fight, to flee, and to compromise. This is a really big topic, so there's no way for us to cover all of it in just one short episode, but the purpose of today's episode is to really set a foundation and give you an introduction to each of these concepts. Yeah, we're going to have additional uh, episodes where we speak individually about uh, how Christians fight and how we shouldn't fight, Mm -hmm. what we fight against, uh, how we... uh, what does it mean to flee? We'll go into a little bit of detail today. How to respond biblically to religious restriction. Uh, but for now, let's talk a little bit about the three things we don't want to do when faced with religious restriction. We don't want to fight. We don't want to flee. And we don't want to compromise. Mm-hmm. We're planning on doing a whole episode in the very near future about restriction and persecution. The role the Christian and the role authorities play in those. But just for today's purposes, I want to give a brief explanation of the difference. So restriction is what somebody in authority does to try to limit your gospel activities. Mm -hmm. Persecution is what comes from those authorities when we refuse to limit our gospel activities. So what you're saying is we don't control whether or not we are restricted but we can control whether or not we're persecuted. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And to what degree, really. Yeah. Uh, there are some contexts where just being a Christian means you're going to be eligible for martyrdom. Right. But in yeah. most cases, that is not uh, the situation. So the first thing uh, th- that we want to talk about is fighting mm-hmm. uh, against religious restriction. And remember that... These things come from anywhere, and that religious restriction is not limited to the persecuted church. Every Christian is restricted. To some degree or another. And so I think that for a lot of people, I think maybe specifically Americans, because of our sort of, you know, we started based on the American Revolution, and we've got this rebellious kind of attitude, we really love to fight. We love to fight back against the government. We love to fight things politically. And unfortunately, that is not uh, the biblical way to deal with religious restriction. But I feel like that's the way right now that as Americans are starting to get that sense, right, that religious restriction is here and is increasing, what I'm seeing the most right now from American Christians is this urge to fight, 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 fight. And how do they want to fight? They they want to fight politically. That's the big thing right now, I yeah. think. And I'll tell you, whether it's the old guard from the Soviet Union, most of them have gone to be with the Lord now. Yeah. The old guard from Cuba, the old guard from China, those who were around during their cultural revolutions when Marxism and communism took over. 
they will all tell you the same thing. We thought politics was a solution, but in the mm. end, it crushed us. Do not get political. Now, that doesn't mean don't vote. Yeah. Doesn't mean don't have a point of view, mm-hmm. but it means that's not the means by which you should be trying to accomplish your kingdom goals. Well, because we're trying to accomplish kingdom goals and you can't do that using man's ways, using man's solutions. And politics is a man-made system. It is. It's the art of compromise. Mm-hmm. And let's be honest, there are there are things, in fact, a lot of things in our Christian faith that we cannot compromise. Yeah. So when we go into the business of compromising, we've already lost, even if our compromise is tiny. Absolutely. And I think when it comes to fighting, we're talking primarily about fighting politically because that's what's relevant here in the United States. But obviously, uh, in different contexts, fighting might also mean uh, literally physically fighting and taking up arms, going on the attack against the government, you know, trying to say, well, if we can just kill all of them, then they can't restrict us anymore. And that's something that, uh, to some degree we've seen happen throughout history, but that's something that we also uh, would want to avoid. Yeah. I don't think a person that is abiding in Christ, that is really embracing scripture, that is reading passages such as putting on the full armor of God and then Mm -hmm. standing, uh, be still and know that I am God. Um, understanding that the Lord goes out and battles for us. If if you're if you're understanding those things, you are going to look there first. Yeah. Not look to yourself or to other human beings for a political or some other uh, kind of solution or for a legal solution. Right. And that's challenging. It is challenging, and I I do want to be clear here uh, for our listeners that disobeying the government is not necessarily fighting. Right. Because if the government is telling you to do something that is against God, if the government is telling you to compromise on your gospel activities and you do not do that, that's not fighting the government. That is just uh, being faithful uh, to the Lord. So I should submit to the government, even if I personally feel it's not fair, Mm -hmm. until it causes me to have to compromise my Yes, yes, absolutely. And I think an excellent example of that is the story of Daniel. When uh, they were told, the, the Jews were told, you cannot uh, engage in your prayers anymore. You have to pray only to the king, to King Darius. And Daniel refused to do that. It wasn't because he was fighting back against the king and trying to make a stand. No, it was because... Uh, he wanted to be faithful to his commitment to the, uh, at the time they needed to pray three times a day as part of the, the old covenant laws. And he wasn't going to compromise on that. And that got him, uh, thrown in the lion's den, but that that's not what we would call fighting. And so I want to be, be clear on that, that we're not saying you just need to do whatever the government says, even if they tell you to do something that against that's against God, because we're going to talk about that a little bit later. That's actually compromising. And that's another one of the responses that we do not uh, want to engage in. Yeah, I think uh, that's great. And I think uh, a modern example uh, of being told to compromise your faith and then resisting that, but, it, but that it's not fighting back is that in, in Marxist countries, 
they always restrict the ability of Christians to evangelize people who are under the age of 18 or people who are considered children. Mm -hmm. They say, yeah, you can have your church meetings and you can do your stuff, but you cannot, and we're going to limit those. But, but you absolutely cannot witness to children. What is there a stat on that that we have? Yeah, there's a, a statistic from uh, the Barna research that says that of adults who are professing Christians, 94% of them made their profession of faith before the age of 18. 94%? 94%. Before the age of 18. Yes. So that just goes to show you uh, that most people, the vast majority of people who are going to be saved, who are going to be Christians, are going to get saved before they are 18 years old. And the leaders in these Marxist countries know that. And so they're they're trying to squash uh, evangelism because they know that evangelism is the most effective to young people. And that's why it's so important that when we take Bibles into persecuted countries, mm-hmm. we bring children's New Testaments. Yeah, it's that's really so important. important because even children can receive the gospel. Well, we saw one whole community transformed by one single children's New Testament, but that's a story for another day. <laughs> um, all right, so we've talked about fighting. The next temptation is fleeing, mm-hmm. and this has been a problem going all the way back to the earliest days of the church. Did you know that? Yeah, in the early in the early church, uh, when they were facing religious persecution from the Romans, they wanted to get as far away as they possibly could from these uh, city areas where most of the uh, restriction was occurring. And they had to actually come together and have uh, councils and discussions saying, okay, what do we do if we all just leave? There's going to be no Christians left in any of these cities. How, how do we reconcile that? Right. And so what they did was they said, okay, for leaders specifically, if you really sense the Lord is telling you to relocate, relocate. Mm. But if not, stay where you're at. And we're seeing the impacts of this in uh, Cuba today. Reports are coming out of Cuba that pastors are just abandoning their churches and wow. they're hopping on a boat, and they're or they're going uh, through some means to get to the U.S. What I've what I've heard reports out of Cuba is that it's about ten grand to fifteen grand if you can get that kind of money, which is an insane amount of money in Cuba. Yeah, you can get out of the country and you can come into America because it's pretty easy to get in right now. So, and th- that kind of exit leaves the church, that the local church, in real chaos with real Mm -hmm. doubts with real fear and a real struggle so we really need the shepherds especially to not flee but fleeing can also look like simply avoiding the problems Mm. so the government comes in and they say hey we don't want you doing these christian things or we're going to come in and we're going to punish you yeah so the person says well i still believe in my heart but i'm not going to do any christian things so the, the covert Christianity, right. right? Yeah. And even then, there may be a time when that's necessary. I, I recall a friend of mine who was in North Korea when mm. the bird flu came out, SARS bird flu yeah. quite a while back. And he got stuck in North Korea for six months. Wow. He was in a rural area and 
Uh, he didn't speak any Korean, but a few words. Of course, he's a smart guy. I'm sure he learned a lot. Yeah. Um, and he so he continued to work and serve in the in the place that he was at, and he said that at night there was a woman that would come periodically, and she would show up in the middle of the night, give the sign of the cross, and then just come and sit and join him, and just mm. sit with him for an hour and then leave. Yeah. And he came to learn over time that she was a Christian from prior to uh, the time that uh, the, of the uh, Korean War. Oh wow! And that, yeah, back when yeah. back when Pyongyang was called the Jerusalem of the East, mm-hmm. and that she had not told her children, her husband, anyone in her family that she was a Christian. That's extreme crypto Christianity. Yeah. Now in the in the case of North Korea, you know. We would still encourage someone not to be a crypto Christian, not to flee to that degree, but we can at least understand with with the horrible suffering that they face for being Christians. Yeah, yeah, why they might do that. But um, can you go a little bit more into uh, your thoughts on fleeing? Yeah, I think that with fleeing, we typically see that occurring in in areas where the religious restriction may be more severe physically, right? Where people may be in more imminent physical danger and having to really pray and seek the Lord regarding, uh, do we need to stay or are you calling us to leave? But I think when it comes to the type of religious restriction that we're currently facing in the United States, I feel that a lot of people have this kind of prepper mentality. They have this idea that all of their problems are going to be solved if they can just run and hide away and get off of the grid and get on their own power system. Okay, okay, wait a minute, wait a minute. Don't tell people about my stats. (laughs) No. So let's let's talk about being a prepper for a minute because I, 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 I propose that there is a healthy, spiritually sound prepper mentality that's possible. So like I want to say, why are you prepping? Mm. What's the motivation? Yeah. Right. We live somewhere where we can get snowstorms. We could have power outages. I mean, when we first moved here, the power was out for two weeks. Yeah. Right. And so, and you couldn't really get anywhere. Mm-hmm. And so we need, you need to have some prepping done because of that. Yeah, right? absolutely. And you might even prep, uh, which prepping is basically stashing away food and, and other resources, um, you might even prep so that you have something to share mm-hmm. in case of a catastrophe or a war or some kind of a, you know, other situation. Yeah. And I think that in those situations, it's something that can be a good thing. Yeah. But I'm seeing a lot of people right now going to the extreme and it's coming from a place of fear. You're seeing people that have like 10 years worth of stuff all shoved in their basement and they're like, I can't tell a single person what I have because once the end of the world comes, they're going to try and steal all of it from me. And people doing everything that they can to get away from anyone else, really, really to get completely off of the grid, to flee from any situation where you may encounter any sort of religious restriction or any sort of um, negative engagement with anyone in the outside world, just in general. And how are we going to be lights in a dark world if we completely separate ourselves and isolate ourselves uh, and we're hiding away uh, out of fear? Right. And how are people going to see the miraculous hand of God Mm -hmm. if all they have to look to is the prepper hand of man? Yes. 
Absolutely. That's quotable. <laughs> that's a tweet. That's, yeah, somebody tweet that. <laughs> okay, that'll start a fight. So let's, let's go back real quick just to summarize. So fighting, thats we're talking about physical fighting, taking up arms, going on the attack, using the means of man to accomplish the means of the, the, the goals of the kingdom. Mm-hmm. Also tweetable. <laughs> using fighting the means politically. Of man. Yeah, yeah, and then one of those is politics is, yeah. or the law. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then fleeing, it can be leaving the... the physical location but it can also be just checking out yeah i'm no longer going to participate and we saw that in covid yes right a lot i think i don't know the exact numbers but i think it's somewhere in the area of a third of people just aren't coming back to the church Mm -hmm. they just checked out and then they realized i don't really need this maybe because they weren't getting from the church what they needed but we won't go down that road today yeah maybe another episode on that right so there's nothing wrong with prepping just make sure you're prepping for the right reasons Mm mm-hmm Okay, and then our third category is compromise. What is that? Well, compromise is interesting because I think it's the one that most people think that they would never do, Mm. but something that they don't realize they've already been doing. Right. So in compromise, in the most extreme sense, we think about somebody with a gun to their head, right, or a gun to their child's head being told, denounce Christ, compromise your faith or we're going to kill you or we're going to kill your child. And this is something that Christians have experienced throughout history. It's something that Christians uh, in certain countries, uh, particularly a lot in Islamic countries, are still experiencing. But that is the most, most extreme situation in regards to compromise. Most compromises are not this extreme, and many of them actually seem relatively harmless at first. I would suggest to you that compromise begins at such an early level. Remember we said that all Christians face these three temptations. Yes, because all Christians face restriction. Right, and I think compromise is the very first one we face. So if you think of of, uh, restriction on a scale, or let's say persecution on a scale of 1 to 100, 100 is martyrdom. Yeah. 1 is the restrictions you place upon yourself because Mm -hmm. you're worried about what other people might think of you. Yes. So maybe you're very convicted that you need to be in church on Sunday morning, but you skip church because your family's having a birthday party for your niece or nephew, and you don't want to upset the family. So you're worried about what they'll think about you. Or a really common one nowadays is Billy's baseball team is having practice on Sunday morning. And if, and if he doesn't go, he can't play in the game on Monday night. Mm -hmm. And you don't want your kid to miss out and you don't want your child to be upset at you or for the team to be upset at you. Maybe your kid's really good. (laughs) And so we compromise. Mm -hmm. And so when we're practicing compromising in little ways, then when it comes to big decisions, it becomes very easy and, and we can very logically make ourselves compromise. I remember a brother uh, from from Romania, and he was telling me of his own personal experience. Now, please know that the experience of the Romanian brothers and sisters was pretty terrible under Ceausescu during the yeah, time it was very extreme. Yeah, of his rule. And this brother said, basically, when you be- became an adult and you were a Christian, it was pretty standard you were going to prison for a couple of years mm-hmm. as part of, that was, was part of your journey. It was just expected, yeah. So I won't go into all the stories. I'll save some for later. But please know that it took me years for this person to feel comfortable enough with me to share this story. Uh, He said that when he was in prison in Romania for his faith, 
no other reason just for being a Christian Mm -hmm. and refusing to compromise when they said, stop meeting together, stop being a pastor. Yeah. Okay. So he said they had him laid out like he was on a cross face down though. And they were beating him with a rubber billy club. And he said the pain was horrific and that he could feel like the voice of Satan in his ear, just tempting him, telling him, this is really silly. All you have to do is deny Christ then you can leave the jail, you can go home, you can care for your family, you can go back mm-hmm. to doing your ministry, back to leading your church, back yeah. to all your Christian activities. And he said, the enemy made it sound so reasonable and so appealing that he considered it for a moment. And then he said, I will not deny Christ. I cannot deny Christ. There's no way I'm denying Christ. And in the exact moment when he became resolved to not compromise by denying Christ, Mm-hmm. This is a long way from missing baseball practice. Yeah. When he became resolved to not compromise, he said that he felt, he said he couldn't see them, but he could feel angels to his left, angels to his right, mm-hmm. angels laying across his back. And he said the beating continued for a while, but he did not feel one more blow of that beating. Wow. That he had a peace wow. that passes all understanding and that God was with him the rest of his time in prison. And he, I said, did you get out testimony. early? Yeah, I said, did you get out early? He said, not even one minute early. I spent every bit of wow. my two-year sentence in jail. So we know that, that compromise can go anywhere from something small to something really big. Uh, but God can be will be with us through it if we choose him. Yes. Um, so what happens when uh, outside restrictions occur? Well, I think we saw firsthand a little bit of this with COVID because if we're being honest, if we ask the question, how many of us ceased our gospel activities because of what the government uh, said regarding COVID? Uh, Quite a few. Quite a few. Right. And this is not going into the issue of COVID denying or whether you believe the shots worked or not. I think all that's going to be proven out in time. Yeah. And as we and as and our, those are all scientific arguments that aren't what we're here to discuss and mm-hmm. aren't relevant to uh, to this podcast. The question really during COVID was where was your faith? Mm. Is your faith in man or is your faith in Jesus? Yeah. Right. And so our faith in Jesus can extend to the point that we even say, well, if I get this horrible disease, I trusted in Jesus and and he's going to take care of me or he's going to take me home. And those are pretty stark statements. Yeah. They're pretty extreme statements. And yet those are very real and realistic statements when it comes to our faith in the Lord and how far the Lord can carry us in faith. Well, and I think it's important to note that that seems very stark as an American Christian, Mm. but that those are things that are just realities for Christians living in persecuted countries because uh, right now the majority of countries that uh, have a lot of religious restriction are countries that do not have good medical care available or sometimes any medical care available. So in these restricted countries, Christians aren't able to just say, I'm going to rely on the government. I'm going to rely on uh, the hospital systems and the doctors to to do all this for me. Their faith has to be 100% in God. Isn't it interesting? So in our culture, we actually say, We'll say, oh, yeah, those are the persecuted Christians and we're not. But here's a, pl- a time or a place where they actually have the advantage over us mm, yeah, because they don't have the option to not choose Jesus. Right. It's the it's the only way. How about that? Well, let me uh, transition for a moment to give you an idea from the life of Peter about how um, 
this is demonstrated. And uh, I actually recorded this in my dissertation, so I'm going to just kind of give you the uh, the re a recap of it. But this mm-hmm. is from the life of Peter. And this our apostle Peter, first of all, he succumbed to the temptation to fight, on, at least on one occasion, when he drew his sword and cut off Malchus's ear during the arrest of Jesus. Yeah. That's John 18.10. Mm-hmm. He succumbed to the pressure to flee when he denied Christ. And mm-hmm. So we have a good picture of what that might look like. He denied Christ three, three times. times. Uh, one time to a little girl, uh, yeah. right? And we, yeah. can, we can see that in Mark chapter 14, uh, verses 66 through 71. And Peter also con- uh, succumbed to the pressure to compromise when he withdrew from the Gentiles because of fear of the circumcision party. And, and Paul writes about that in Galatians 2, mm. 11 through 13. Um, what's really interesting, though, is this. So after Peter had denied Christ, mm-hmm. so he had fled, yeah. basically, then Jesus restored him. Right, we have that famous passage, Peter, mm. do you love me? Yeah. Right, in the agape and the phleo and all of the Greek stuff. And, yeah. and depending on your school of thought about Greek, that may or may not be uh, important, the distinction <laughs> between those words. But, yeah. but we'll just say it is uh, for the sake of everybody listening. After that, then he compromises. Yeah. Uh, it's really interesting because he he is restored by Jesus and he goes on from there uh, after he's restored to boldly refuse to compromise. He's going in front of the Sanhedrin. He's defending Jesus. He's doing all of these miracles. He's refusing to cease gospel activities and is not afraid of what uh, man is going to do to him. He's so empowered. And yet even after that, he compromises. Isn't that interesting that he, with the threat of death... He doesn't even compromise. Yeah. But it's the threat of social pressure. Mm. Wow. American church can hear something about that, right? Yeah. And we all know what that is, that social pressure. I don't want to be canceled. Because that's what we're fearing right now. We're not fearing death right now. Right. We're fearing the the social consequences. So when it's after all those great things have happened and after he's not compromised time and time again, and then he compromises. Mm. And I think that tells us something very important. And that is that the three temptations to fight to flee and to compromise are ever present temptations for Christians everywhere through all time. Mm -hmm. And that we have to constantly be preparing ourselves to not succumb to those because they're going to occur in all kinds of different ways at all kinds Mm -hmm. of different levels. So how do we avoid those pitfalls? Well, the only way to really avoid them, to avoid fighting, fleeing, and compromising is to have a resilient faith. And I think to have a resilient faith, how do we do that? That's going to be a many episodes just in itself. But uh, what would you say? How, how would you say that really briefly? How do I'd we say have no, a resilient number faith? Number one, we have to abide. We have to mm. be rooted in Christ. John 15. We have to be rooted in Christ. Number two, we have to identify our fears mm. and overcome them with faith so we use the duck method (laughs) d-u-c-c discover our fears understand our fears confront our fears conquer our fears Mm. and if we can do that whether your fear is being told your child will be killed if you don't uh, recant your faith or whether your fear is being hungry or whether your fear is being cut off from culture whatever your fears are 
no matter how big or small, if we will identify those fears and then confront them through faith. We make all the little steps and we build the little foundation mm -hmm. so that when the big stuff comes, we may stumble. Yeah. But we're, resilience doesn't mean you don't stumble. Resilience means you recover quickly. Absolutely. You know, in my dissertation work, every pastor that I spoke to described a dark night of the soul when persecution came and they had to come to terms with the facts that they didn't believe it would happen to them and yet it was happening. Mm -hmm. That they were sure God would deliver them and yet he wasn't delivering them. That they yeah. thought it would end quickly and yet it wasn't ending. And they had to come to a place to where they confronted those things and then were able to walk in faith. So if we're confronting all of our fears now, Mm -hmm. And we're dealing with them now. And we'll talk about this a lot in the future. We are going to be able to walk in victory. Mm -hmm. And when we stumble, we're going to be able to recover quickly. And it's going to have no long-term effect upon us negatively. And that's exactly why we have this podcast. So that we can help all of you listeners out there on your journey of doing just that developing a resilient faith, living a victorious life, conquering your fears. Yeah, we don't know exactly what the future holds, but we know who holds the future. And we mm -hmm. know if we are if we are at all betting people, <laughs> and I'm only a better in this, a gambler <laughs> in, in this, this way, one way. <laughs> I'm betting on Jesus. I'm betting on our side to win. Mm -hmm. And so Amen I want to that. cast my lot with him. All right. Amen. Well, listen, we'll catch you next time. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to The Harder Way Podcast. If you were encouraged by this episode, please consider sharing it with a friend or leaving us a review. To be the first to know when we publish new episodes, subscribe to the Harder Way podcast on your favorite platform. Until next time, remember the words of Christ. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven.